Hey there, and welcome to the Food as Medicine show with Dr. Ann, the place to be for real talk with real people and real results so you can heal yourself naturally. I'm your host, Dr. Ann, and I'm a board-certified pharmacist and health coach specializing in treating cholesterol without medications. You can learn more about me at DrAnn.com, spelled A-N-H as in healthy. I hope you had a fantastic weekend. This week, I splurged on a 60-minute full-body massage because I've been working so hard to prepare for the webinar that we had last Wednesday. And it was really great to interact with some of you during the webinar. And if you haven't had a chance to watch the webinar, if you signed up and you haven't had a chance to watch the replay, make sure you do it before Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern because that's when I'll be taking it down. And I got such great feedback about the content that I'll be doing it again um, this coming Wednesday, August 5th at 8 p.m. Eastern. So you can join me live and you'll learn the foods to eat to heal your body, to lose weight, and to improve your energy and mental focus. I'll share tips on saving money when eating healthy, how to save time when you're cooking, how to modify the program based on your symptoms and conditions, and seven toxic foods you should avoid. And you'll get a chance to have your personal questions answered by me. So if you're in the United States, you can sign up for this online training by texting the word PERFECT to 33444. Again, that's the word PERFECT to 33444. And make sure you follow the instructions on the text message that you receive to make sure that you're registered. Or you can simply head to drann.com slash webinar to sign up. Now, before we get to the episode, I want to let you know that the opinions expressed on this show may not represent my opinions, and the show is for general information only, not a substitute for medical care. So prior to beginning any new health program, I recommend you consult with a qualified health professional. In today's episode, I chat with Stephen Crutchfield from Villa Capelli, which is a company located in the boot of Italy, focusing on Italian food and travel. Stephen and I had a really awesome conversation, and it was quite eye-opening for me to learn about the extra virgin olive oil industry, or the EVU industry. Make sure you listen to the end, because he's got a really special gift for Food as Medicine listeners. Now, in today's show with Stephen, we chat about what is extra virgin olive oil, how EVU is made, the corruption in the EVU industry, and why most people aren't actually eating EVU and getting the health benefits from it, how to look for a quality EVU the smoke point and cooking temperatures of olive oil, his favorite easy, delicious ways to eat and prepare foods with olive oil, and much more. All right, let's go chat with Stephen. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Food as Medicine show. It is bright and early here, um, but I am chatting with Stephen Crutchfield, who is a self-professed nerd who grew up in Kennedy, Texas, and is currently living in Italy. He graduated at the top of his class in Kennedy, and after graduating from the University of Texas, he moved to the Big Apple, where he worked as a copywriter and for magazines, including Every Day with Rachel Ray, Family Handyman, and The Taste of Home. In 2012, he left the corporate world and began his crazy adventure of living and working in Italy with Villa Capelli, a company in the Italian countryside specializing in extra virgin olive oil, conserve spices, and travel. Stephen was already on the Mediterranean diet and was using lots of extra virgin olive oil before he made some small changes and lost 30 pounds, and now he feels even better than before. Welcome, Stephen, to the show. Welcome. Thank you for having me. 
Yeah, I'm so excited um, to be chatting with you. I'm, I just, first of all, I'm like amazed that you just kind of decided to pick up and leave and go to Italy. I was half expecting to hear an Italian accent coming from you. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally Texas accent, if anything, but I lost that in New York somewhere along the way. Now, yeah. My, my, my partner was originally from Italy. He was born in Italy, but he moved to the States when he was seven. So okay. He actually doesn't have an accent either. Uh-huh. Um, and, um, and the one of the reasons we kind of ended up here was because his family, his mother actually grew up in the town we're near. Okay. And they, they happened to be, he was visiting family and was driving by the villa and he said, well, what's that villa? And they're like, oh, it's been abandoned for 40 years. You don't want to, they went inside and next thing you know, we own a villa. So. <laughs> A little crazy. A little crazy to move here, but it's it's one of those things where you know everybody kept saying you know you only live once, so mm-hmm. you might as well do it. Yeah, well, I mean, it just sounds amazing. It's for, at first it seems a little crazy, but it sounds just like an amazing experience. And can you share with us, you know, basically first? I just want to know what time is it in Italy? It is two o'clock right now in the afternoon. Okay. Okay. So, um, and then. Uh, <laughs> then just share with us the story of of the villa more in in more detail you know so i was kind of reading the website introduction and it just it sounds so romantic so just share us uh, kind of walk us through the story of of how uh, this came to be yeah yeah so i i kind of started that paul was visiting this area with his family and with um and they found the villa he was actually here with his three kids and they walked into the villa, and his son was like, Dad, it's a castle. You have to buy it. So, uh, and it really was very magical. I mean, even then, it was a wreck. It was, I mean, probably most people kind of know the story. It was it under the Tuscan sun where she bought the abandoned villa, and, you know, everything was all the hecticness of doing that. Um, it's probably that movie book times 100. I would say uh-huh. I've kind of almost blocked out how much work we had to do. It's kind of crazy. I mean, mm-hmm. I there were some beautiful stone columns in the garden that we have rose bushes growing up of. Um, and somebody asked me recently, "Oh, well, those were here, right?" It's like, "Yeah, those were here. It was fine. We just painted the rose bushes." And Paul had to remind me, "No, no, we had to tear those down and rebuild them." Actually. So oh wow! Just, it was just so long, long process. Um, first thing we did was start um, the garden was a total dirt uh, garden, which was dirt. And so the first thing we did was start planting rose bushes, lavender bushes, um, just to kind of get that part of the villa, bring some life back into it. Mm. And then slowly but surely, just one room at a time, here and there, just rebuilding. Um, it's from most of the area, is, most some of the villa, the old stone structure is um, around 1200s, and there's a newer structure, newer, um, being from the 1400s. <laughs> <laughs> and I know it's crazy when you think about it. I mean, I mean, I wish pictures never seem to do it justice either. But the actual stonework, um, I mean, you can kind of see even our room. I mean, I mean, I'm in a stone room right now. Mm. Doesn't go up just a little arch, but it's, there's, there's giant arches in our room. I mean, like the the architecture and how they did it, it just it blows me away. At night. It's really beautiful. Um, so again, we kind of just kept going. Um, 
Paul being Paul uh, also has a former life in the advertising world, so he kind of always saw the Fortnite as a brand.、Mm. So we kind of didn't see this just as a retirement home. It's a little too big for that. We have ten bedrooms, so can、um, sleep twenty people. So we were kind of always thinking of it as more of a.、Uh, we do it as a in the summer as more of a rental for travelers when we come, and then we all see them more as a, a B&B. And、um, so, but it wasn't also just that. As far as traveling, we also did Victoria, olive groves, fruit trees, almond trees. So naturally, what do we do with all these things? We make our own products, and so、mm. that was also part of the process of learning that and learning all the ancient techniques and basically becoming farmers. Basically, green acres coming from New York City <laughs> to Italy and learning.、Uh, All about the land, and and even here, it's amazing what you can learn about living off the land. Especially in Puglia, where we're we're in Puglia, which is the old boot.、Um, in the south, they really do、um, live off the land in the sense that they will firstly go pick weeds、uh, from the, from the once it rains and certain weeds come up. You'll see people going and harvesting the weeds. They'll go home and go pick up and eat them.、Um, There's wild asparagus that pops up every spring. There's、um, I mean, fruit trees all on the way on the road. And it, it, the rule is basically, if you don't have a bag or a bucket, you, you can pick a you can pick a fig. You know, no problem if it's not yours. <laughs> the rule is they don't want you, you know, taking a bunch and running with it. But、uh, it's just there's so there's so much here that you can just really live. Very well and very efficient, and also、uh, without a lot of work. Amazing. I mean, foraging for mushrooms um, um, that happens every fall and spring. Really, a cool life life. Oh man, that sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah you know.、Um, If、it's it's funny you mentioned that people there will pick the weeds and go home and eat them, and it's I think it's just a matter of perception because here we we call them weeds, but they're edible, right? And、um, we're starting to learn that dandelion green <laughs> dandelion greens have a lot of nutritional、exactly. value. So it's just it's just a matter of perception. I mean, we used to think of them as weeds, but now they're they're great for us. So I love that. <laughs> the newest one, the newest one we've discovered is、um, purslane. I don't know what it's called in Italian, but in English, I'm pretty sure it's purslane. I mean,、mm-hmm. it's a invasive weed, and it grows like you. Basically, you don't have to even worry about it. Throw it in your garden, and it'll grow. I mean, it's just it is pretty much a weed in that sense, but it's super nutritious for you. It's, oh yeah, it's a plant that has the most mega threes of any plant. It does. Yep. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a great plant, and here, here, literally, they like they're for them. That's a weed. Like they hardly、mm. ever eat it, and we're trying to tell them, like, no, it's actually you can eat that. It's good. Like, you know. So again, it's perception. Meanwhile, the dandelions they eat, like they're going out of style.、So. Yeah, I um I went to a conference a couple years ago, the Take Back Your Health conference, and one of the speakers, um, Sergey Botenko, he was talking about purslane, and that was the first time I heard about it. And he would he would volunteer to help at organic farms to pull their purslane weeds. Um, and for free, and the stipulation was that he could keep the weeds, <laughs> and he would, <laughs> and we, he would go home and he would make green smoothies out of them. I was like, oh my gosh, that is brilliant!、Um, 
And then eventually the, the farms caught on and then they started selling the, the purslane themselves. So then he's like, oh, shucks. <laughs> <laughs> Probably for a lot of money. I think it was like the big hot uh, new uh, vegetable in New York. Somebody told me like a couple of years ago. All of a sudden it appeared on all the news. Mm. Yeah. Of course, New York knows how to reinvent all kinds of things. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, I was interested in um, the the farming methods at the villa because um, you were saying it took you know a little bit to re to revive the villa itself. But was it the the orchards and the um, the plants there were already native to the area and didn't really have uh, much that needed reviving? Yeah. So the the actual groves, the olive groves and the fruit groves were pretty much um, going full strength. So there was not much to do there. Um, <laughs> for us, it's just learning the upkeep now, because we had, um, his cousin was kind of taking care of some of the forest, and now it's for us. Um, so um, you know, just everything from pruning to uh, spraying trees, and you know, we need to spray them in for a while. And that kind of so, but that was pretty much going strong. It was the, what we have inside the villa, the villa has 18 foot walls basically around it. And um, we have a, mat, a monastic garden, um, basically, and uh, that definitely is caring for. Now we have, um, I don't know how many lemon trees, probably lemon trees, orange trees, uh, bay leaf. We have a whole herb garden, a giant herb garden. I don't know how would I ever did without an herb garden. I mean, it's just, so, and I recommend everybody plant little herbs, even in your, you, know, you can do it. It's easy and nice, but it's fresh, there you get it, and you put it in your food, and it's so good for you. And it makes it taste good. Uh, but that, that garden area definitely needs to be But the rest we had to kind of plant. Mm. What are some of the favorite herbs that you like to grow and use in your cooking? Sage is one of my favorites. Basil, I could probably bathe in basil. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just love the smell and taste of basil. Um, you know what? That's a good question because it depends on when you ask me when I pick them. That's my favorite for that time. Like I go and I'll pick some thyme. I'm like, oh my gosh, I love the smell of thyme. Mm. Then I'll go and put basil and I'm like, oh my gosh, I love the smell of basil. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but ours are pretty much traditional thyme, uh, rosemary, basil, and sage. Those are the ones we probably. And do, I mean, from your experience, do they just go well in any dish or are there particular dishes that um, that certain uh, herbs go well in? I know, you know, basil does well with pesto, etc. But um, exactly. the, yeah, the other herbs. Basil really goes well with tomatoes as well. I mean, that's mm -hmm. a very, very traditional, uh, actually, um, what they call it, the national dish of Italy, the crazy salad. Mm -hmm. yeah. All the colors of the pine flag, basically all the products that they are known for, like mozzarella, tomatoes, basil, and olive oil. So um, that one's really good. Um, the rosemary goes really well with potatoes or chicken, any kind of any kind of meat actually, um, as well. The sage also, we kind of put the sage in with, it'll go well with um, fish, vegetables. Um, thyme has a little bit more of a that lemon bite flavor, so I use that usually more with chicken or fish. Okay. 
Great. Well, thank you for that. Um, now the groves themselves, how do you, I guess I've, I've never been to an olive grove, so I don't really know much about <laughs> kind of the farming of olives and such. Can you just share with us um, some of the methods that you use to um, maintain the grove and, um, you know, the yields, et cetera? Yes. So the first thing I learned, and I've learned it more this year than any other year, because I actually really helped with pruning of the trees. Mm. To me, I was always like, I never really got pruning. I was like, you're destroying the tree. Like, what are you doing? You're cutting all these branches. Like, where are my olives going to grow? <laughs> and, you know, but the thing is, with what the pruning does is it opens up the tree so that um, it actually protects it because the light and the air need to get into the middle of the plant. Otherwise, it's susceptible to fungus and other uh, vermin and stuff. So the pruning is very important, and that usually happens in January after the harvest. Um, and the rest of the time, it's just maintaining, you know, you fertilize maybe once or twice a year. Um, and then I'll walk you through, you want to walk you through the harvest? Sure. It's fun. The harvest is fun. The harvest fun and um, a lot of work at the same time. It's still, at least where we are, we, we do, we still do it by hand. Um, but with the little help of a machine. I do have a machine now that will literally come like a giant uh, bulldozer, clamp the tree and shake it. And for us, it's a little too, uh, we think it's not really good for the tree. But really what you do is you spread out nets underneath the tree and you take a stick and you eat the tree until uh, the olives fall in this net. <laughs> so literally you're beating them out and onto the ground. Uh, now we have a little bit of help. Usually it looks like a machine that has a, um, it almost looks like a giant weed whacker. has a big motor on the end with a long pole and a, a little uh, padded clamp on it, kind of looks like that. And then he usually like, he'll fit it onto the branch of a tree and then it shakes the branch. Um, and that will, will knock the, 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 again, the olives to the ground. And then you basically drag those nets from tree to tree until they get so full that it's really hard to move the net. I mean, you kind of have to gather all the olives into a pile on the net and pushing them together. And then you put that into a bucket, which you can carry to your car and put it into your carriage. And then from there, and that usually takes you, usually you're working here, um, which I still don't quite understand. In the winter, in the summer, um, you understand siestas. Italians are famous for their siestas, and you understand why, because in one and four o'clock, it's unbearable time, and they don't have air conditioning. But everybody goes home for lunch at one, and then they take their nap, and everything reopens at four o'clock. Well, they continue that tradition even in winter, which I still don't quite understand, because you're waking up at four in the morning, and there's frost on the ground, and then you're going to pick olives, and it starts to warm up around 11 o'clock, and you're like, okay, now I'm warm. And they're like, oh, now we're done for the day. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa wait. <laughs> <laughs> I want to stay outside. <laughs> yeah, it's nice and warm now. Why can't we keep picking? So, but usually you work, you know, eight hours in the morning and then you take that, um, that harvest for that day to the mill. And depending on, usually try to do at the maximum two days, um, the mill basically will uh, kind of clean them because you, you end up having leaves and other stuff in it. So it goes through a little bit of an air blower that gets some leaves out and they're put into a big bin for you and with your name on it. And then um, within 24 hours at the most, usually you try to mill them because if you let them sit too long, they start to go a little bit uh, rancid and that's not good for the, the quality of the oil. 
So, um, so you do a couple two days of harvest, and then you do a, a milling, and then you keep going basically for the week. Uh, and however many weeks or how many it takes you for your particular uh, growth. Um, and uh, basically, I will everybody know that all uh, the true extra virgin olive oil is nothing but crushed olives. That's all it is. And the pits get crushed with it. Basically, what we do, we use an actual, an actual stone mill. So it gets into these, uh, gets put into the mill, and it's giant, huge stone granite wheels that turn around and crush into a pulp. And then once that pulp gets to a certain consistency, it goes into a machine um, and basically into a centrifuge that then separates the oil from the water and pulp and stuff, and that's when the oil comes out. And it's all done low temperature, um, and then nothing is added. Literally just crushed olives. That's it. And um, it tastes amazing. The smell and the air around that time of the year is so beautiful. Just the whole air just smells like olive oil. It's, it's really cool. And there's nothing like it when it first, first comes out. It's just this beautiful liquid gold. It's amazing. <laughs> so it's really, really good. And I will say, I won't get into this now, but um, that's something else we should know that a lot of people, I don't know if you've been conditioned this way, but good oil, it should have a taste. Like it shouldn't just be lubrication. I mean, it is a food, it's crushed oils. It should have a taste of oil, uh, olives. It should have, and actually there's three characteristics that the experts list as um, qualifying for extra virgin. It's fruity, so it should have like a little bit of the flavor of the olives. Um, pungent, which means it has a little bit of a, a tickle in the back of your throat. And we actually call that the pull your pinch. That's what ours is kind of marketed as. Mm. And then bitterness. Bitterness, not in the sense of probably what you think, not bitter on your tongue. It's almost like a slight acidicness to it. Um, but they call it bitterness. So those three characteristics are important for having extra burden. And a lot of people actually with our olives do get a tickle in the back of your throat. Like I said, we call it the pull your pinch. Some people think actually we've had taste tests and people are tasting it and they're like, oh, it seems like the, the oil is rancid. And I'm like, no, 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 um, that's actually supposed to have a little bite to it. And um, um, in um, Extra Virginity, um, great book if everyone wants to read it. It's a really, really good book about all of this process and about the fraud actually, actually in Extra Virgin Olive Oil production. But um, he mentions that um, it was, I forget who studied this. Uh, but they found that that pinch is the same quality as found in ibuprofen. Hmm. So it's, and it's actually the um, polyphenols, which are um, the antioxidants working, uh, and that's what you're kind of tasting and reacting in your throat. Wow, that's a lot to... <laughs> that's a lot to digest. So no, that's good information because that was one of the questions I was going to ask: is what qualifies an oil as extra virgin olive oil? Um, okay, you touched on a lot of things. Um, yeah. I think one of the things I wanted to ask about is um, you mentioned the process of making the extra virgin olive oil, and really what makes it qualify as that is it sounds like it's just the just pressing of it, cold pressing, so not applying heat to it, and it's just olives. Now, what I was interested in also was color, because you were saying it comes out gold. And what's confusing to me is when you go to the grocery store, there's all these different varieties of olive oil, and they come in all different types of colors. So um, does color 
qualify as extra virgin olive oil or is it just the process of making it? Um, can you share the details of that? Yeah, the color has absolutely nothing to do with it. Nothing. So don't ever go by the color. Actually, if you've ever seen or if you want to book up um, tastings um, for olive oil, they put them in cobalt blue glasses to taste olive oil. And they do that specifically so that nobody would be biased by the color. Mm. So I, and I called it liquid gold actually just because it's then that since ours actually comes out really really green very good <laughs> depending, on, depending on the uh on the harvest sometimes it's a little lighter but sometimes it's really liquid it almost, almost looks like ooze because it's just beautiful green but um it really from it just depends on the variety of the olive and some other and that kind of stuff for the color so that that does not determine extra virginity whatsoever um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of times you have to be careful to speaking again about fraud. There's a lot of I'll get into this a little bit. Just go into it. Okay. Fraud in the in olive oil. There's way too much fraud. We battle this every day. The most people probably the olive oil you are consuming, if it's especially manufacturer, it's probably not real extra virgin. I'm sorry to tell you this, but it's probably not. Unfortunately, there are rules in place and that, that should govern this, but unfortunately nobody has the teeth to kind of back it up. Mm -hmm. um, from what I understand, even in, in Italy, the investigators who understand, who can follow up and can bring charges against a company if they're, if they're actually doctoring their olive oil, um, if they cannot prove it in a court, then they have to end up paying the entire cost for the company personally. They have to pay the cost and like legal cost of the, of the company. So, it's not even worth it for the investigators to bring it up because it's their their whole livelihood is protected. But that's good. But basically, what happens is um, the big manufacturers um, take all of uh, you know. Um, there's a couple things that happen. They'll take extra virgin, extra virgin extra virgin olive oil, and they'll add horrible olive oil. Everything from lower quality olive oil to canola oil to other kind of oils to extra virgin and sell it as still as extra virgin olive oil, mm. which means not getting all the health benefits of the extra virgin. Um, it, it's, it's very easy to, that way you taste um, extra virgin, especially if it's a really good quality. We've done this with our oil and another brand, which I won't mention, dude. But <laughs> we actually, you can take half and half. You actually pour their oil, which had no taste and no smell or scent at all. Poured it into ours, mix it up, and it, I couldn't really tell the difference between our olive oil and the mixed olive oil. And it was half and half. So that basically shows you that they basically are taking, you know, there's a very easy way for them to um, cut their cost because they're using much, much cheaper oil. And so then they come in and they, they basically are underselling through extra virgin and passing it off as extra virgin, and it's really not. Um, the, the stuff that's what, what they're actually using, just so you know, um, when you, so we said, we said that the extra virgin olive oil is crushed olives, it's just crushed, the oil comes out. The part of the, the units of after making that are these little pellets. I, I can't describe anything else, they're actually really hard. And it's this, it's basically, 
the olive that's left is all the juice and water has been extracted, but there's still a little bit of that of olive there and it comes out as almost like a hard rock. They take that and they add hexene to it and they extract more oil from it. And I've never personally seen it, but from getting extra virginity, he describes it as if he saw it when it came out of the process and said it looked like crude oil. It looked like black crude oil. So basically because it looks like this, they then they have to take and they have to bleach it to get rid of that blackness. And then they have to add in articles to try to make it look like olive oil again, including like they'll add chlorophyll or they'll add other green dyes, that kind of stuff. And they might add other chemicals to make you just uh, taste better, but it, there's nothing good about it at all. It's just disgusting. Um, and they, that's what they use and they pass off and they'll add that to two extra virgin to, to spread it out or they'll sell it just to consumers as olive oil. And most consumers probably don't even know that what the difference between extra virgin versus olive oil. And there's net um, out saying note, marketing terms that have come up, which is um, pure olive oil and light olive oil. And consumers don't know pure olive oil means pure crap. Sorry, but it does. Uh, <laughs> basically, that is the olive oil we we're just talking about. Basically, it's the, it's the process after extra virgin where they extracted this stuff with chemicals and then added other stuff to it. I don't know how they get away with calling it. I guess because it is olive oil, not pure extra virgin olive oil, but they call it pure. It's purely a marketing term. Not good for you. Um, and in the light olive oil, it's light in color, light in taste, and probably light in no antioxidants whatsoever. But, um, and it, most people think the light olive oil actually has less calories. It doesn't. Oil is oil, no matter, a tablespoon is the same calories as this tablespoon. So you're getting the exact same amount of calories and, whatever, and you're not getting any of the health whatsoever which is just blow away from me. Just, and I didn't even know this stuff at all until we started this. You know, once I started learning more and investigating, it's like amazing. And um, just, it's it's very hard because there's no, there are some advocates out there trying to educate people, but it's just, it's an uphill battle because you're always battling these huge industries. Um, one of the stories in the, um, in the book, um, Extra Virginity, he talks about, is there was a German writer who wrote a big story. And he actually had, um, he took oil off the shelves. I think there was like 20 bottles. Took them to a um, testing center in, I think it was in Florence, um, and had them test the oil. He came back that, you know, 18 out of 20 were not extrovert, that were labeled extrovert. And he wrote an article about it and named their names and all that stuff. One of the companies, sued him and sued the uh, testing center. So after I think it was like one or two years, they actually won the case. This guy actually, the judge was like, no, it's right. And there's nothing, he didn't say anything that you know, is wrong. All he said was the truth. Um, so this guy thought, okay, great. It's gonna be stories everywhere now that everybody's gonna know this. Then not one newspaper, not one, not one radio show, nobody picked up the story. It was just silent. And in the process of doing this, because they, the, the, uh, I think it was Carapelli, because Carapelli sued the testing center and the testing center had to go through all the legal fees to defend themselves, 
they now will not accept any outside testing. They'll only they'll only accept private testing for your own oil, but they won't let you test somebody else's oil because they don't want to get sued. So in a sense, Caracoli won because now you can't prove there's no other way it's hard to prove the purchase. There's also a famous study in um, University of California at Davis, I believe. They tested 21 olive oils, and it was in 2012, I believe, and 60% of those oils should not have been labeled extra virgin. Extra, extra virgin. Um, I think, and I'll say the names because I'm pretty sure. I think it was Bertoli, Carapelli, Rachel Ray, um, some big names, and none of them should have been labeled extra, extra virgin. And it's just, that's just amazing. And that's, it's an uphill battle because they have all the money and they have all of the, you know, the, the loudness. And, and most consumers don't really even think about oil, honestly, either, because for them, it's kind of a, it's like sugar or flour. It's a, it's a staple. So when they're going to the store, they're just looking for price and they're not looking at, especially when there's a shelf full of, you know, 20 of them, you know, it's like you say, what, what do I do? Do I look for color? Do I look for, what do I look for? So it's very hard to compete with that kind of stuff. Well, not food as medicine listeners. They're going to be more choosy. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> so, okay, um, let's go back. So then the definition of extra virgin olive oil is the cold pressing process, right? Um, so I actually was post, I posted that I was excited about this interview and a friend of mine who actually is half Italian was saying also, um, it, does acidity have a role in yeah. making, uh, qualifying it as extra virgin olive oil? It does. It's also, and I'm going to, because I don't know the, the, the very specifics of this, and I'm going to read this up because it's right in front of me. Mm -hmm. It should not have a free acidity of not more than 0.8 grams per 100 grams and a peroxide value of less than 200 milli equivalent O2. So, guys, that's very specific. So, yeah, <laughs> acidity definitely has a role in it, and that's one thing. That's one of the reasons you, you do mill your olive. Uh, quickly, because if it sits too long, the acidity goes up, and so then that's not good for the uh, extra virgin. Okay. But that's a very specific testing thing, which is very like you you do go send that out to a lab, and that's been done, and that's one of the, that is definitely one of the qualifiers. Awesome. Okay, I was reading that um, there's companies now that will certify olive oils. Is that I mean, if you're going to buy an olive oil. Um, on the grocery shelf, is that how you can determine that it's ex truly extra virgin, or how, you know, how do you now go and use this information to select a quality brand or um, product? That's a good question. I think there's uh, four little, uh, four or five different ways I would probably uh, qualify it. One of them is the label and that kind of stuff. Um, there are certifications. I'm not sure what the ones. I know California is doing a really good job of, of, of actually policing that and doing that. And I personally don't know what their uh, label's called, what the like, stamp would be. Mm -hmm. In Italy, it's uh, the PDPO, Protection Denomination of Origin. So it's basically Protection Denomination of Origin, which is basically the same thing as Prosciutto di Parma, or Parmigiano Reggiano, or Champagne, or so it's basically, it, it tells you that food was produced and processed in a particular area and using traditional techniques. And that is policed and certified, you know, pretty 
well, as far as I know. I mean, I know they come and check us every year. So that is something that's definitely been looked for. It's um, now they just changed a little star, um, a little circle with tiny little stars around it, red. Um, and that's a pretty good stamp to have. I would say also look um, for where the olives come from, especially in Italy. Um, so it might say Italian olive oil on the front, but turn it around, you always, or, or look on the label somewhere, you have to find out where the source is. And usually the source is source, um, the olives are Spanish, olives from Tunisia, olives from Turkey. In those cases, I would say that's not good because what they're doing is basically packing a ship full of olives and then in Turkey and then shipping it over to Italy and then knowing it here and bottling it in Italy. But think about the process of like having to ship it over. So the olives are going, not going to be as good and fresh as if it was made in Italy. And they do that because obviously the Italians have the marketing, marketing and the branding, but that's a little loophole in the uh, law that they can say they're Italian olive oil, even though the olives are not from Italy. It's kind of crazy. But they're usually from Spain. Spain's a huge one. I think actually all the huge, all the Italian olive companies now are almost all Spanish. Oh, it's crazy. Like Bertoli, like they ship over all their Spanish olives and mill them here and call it Italian olive oil. But um, so on that. That's note, crazy. One, yeah. So one thing to look. So kind of look and make sure the source is close to you know where it's made. Um, and I would say. Another good way to do it, and I know this isn't always easy, you have to do your research. Um, it's always good to know the person you're dealing with. It's almost like a farmer's market to some degree. I mean, if you can, you know, a state bottled, if you a small estate, kind of like what we are, um, then you know that, I mean, I'm not going to sell you crap because it's, I, need, I need your business. I'm not going to make sure you more money. I don't even know how to doctor that stuff up. Um, but it's, it's, to me, it's just about... Uh, if you don't really know where you, you know where it comes from, you can kind of trust it a little more. So that's one of my recommendations: is kind of look for some, you know smaller estate bottles, and you know something you can kind of you can kind of learn and trust them. Um, and the other one I would say, I had before I get into the last, one, oh, oh, two other things. Taste is one thing too. I mean, I think remember that your olive oil should have. A taste. I think that's important. I mean, some of them obviously are a little more mellow, and they do do blends, especially for the American palate. People sometimes don't want a strong flavor, but it should have a flavor, just a lubricant, and it's like canola oil. I mean, who would drink canola oil? But I drink olive oil, so if you can drink it and have a little bit of it, then that's a good sign. And the last but not least, I would say I hate to bring this up, but price. Um, good olive oil is not going to be you're not going to find bottles you know a liter bottle for five dollars or even ten dollars you're not going to it's just, i will tell you it's just economically impossible once you include labor milling even if they had like they're producing a million bottles and they bought the bottles for five cents i don't care what it is still then transportation it's just it would be economically totally unfeasible and this is i know this because i know what the price is at the mill and sometimes they're they're selling it for cheaper than what you can buy wholesale at a mill so um, something's a little fishy if it's really cheap so you know a good olive oil is going to be a good quality of olive oil is going to be uh, not expensive but it's going to going to be worth the money and especially i will say too on that note a little goes a long way 
Um, I mean, when like, you're roasting vegetables, all you need is one or two tablespoons, and it really helps bring out the flavor of your food. It really is amazing. I mean, using it as a finishing oil, I mean, most people probably can't afford to use it as a frying oil, or um, I basically use it for everything. I'm spoiled, obviously, because I have to eat of it. <laughs> I really am spoiled, but you can use it. it doesn't take a lot to get the benefits, and it doesn't take a lot to get the health benefits. They say that only one or two tablespoons a day is all you need to get the health benefits from the olive oil. And those health benefits include everything from um, reduced uh, heart disease, um, they're showing now a lot of studies showing um, with cognitive stuff, um, helping that, um, reducing cancer because of all the antioxidants. There are tons and tons of health benefits that are coming out more and more. And I mean, the experts say all you need is one or two tablespoons a day. And, and so in that sense, it is very affordable. But the, the advantages you're getting both in the deliciousness of the food and also the nutritious food. Word, nutritious. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> so, um, yeah. okay, then just to uh, summarize, it sounds like when you're selecting olive oil, look yeah. for the source. Where did the olives come from? Where were they milled? Essentially to know your farmer, to know, you know, um, just know the process taste if the, if it has a distinct taste um and then price um now labeling right we talked about certification so that could be another qualifier um yeah. but just so and cold so are we looking for the words cold press and extra virgin on the on the label as well or is there any requirements for labeling i shouldn't know no requirement and you shouldn't necessarily extra virgin should definitely be on there um cold pressed um is important. It's not as um, it has kind of become a marketing term to some degree. I mean, it should be processed under what is the, the very? It should be processed under 86 degrees Fahrenheit or 30 degrees Celsius. Okay, so it's basically made with just mechanical means. Um, they might talk about that on the label. You know, it's not made with um, any kind of chemicals or uh, other processing, it should just be pressing. Cold press, you can definitely look for. I mean, I, I will say that it doesn't necessarily mean what it used to, from what my understanding. So you have to be a little careful with it, but cold press is definitely something to look for. Okay. All right, and, and the next thing I wanted to cover was... No, I was going to say the other one is um, the other little thing on the label. I mean, we talked about sometimes it says a state bottled, and that's actually a good, that's actually a little bit of a good term maybe to look for in the sense that we were talking about knowing who you, where it comes from, because a state bottle usually means it's a smaller production. Uh, and so that might, might be easier to find and get to know that producer. So, Okay. And then um, as far as cooking it, right? Um, so you were saying you, you pretty much use it in everything. Um, so, you know, I was of the understanding that when it's extra virgin because it's cold pressed, you really just want to use it as a finishing oil rather than to fry it. Um, and there's there's a little confusion as to how high of a temperature can you actually um, use to, to cook extra virgin olive oil before the smoke point and before it becomes, uh, you know, a bad oil. Yeah, I'm gonna look. I'm gonna look up the specifics on this because I don't know the best. But I will tell you, I, I I don't ever deep fry with it. Obviously, that would probably be totally economically infeasible. But I do pan fry, mm -hmm. and um, they've been showed that you do. It's that's actually kind of a myth that you can fry with it. And actually, when it's extra virgin, it actually has a higher smoke point 
the uh, uh, in the olive oil because a lot mm. of people buy the just olive oil which is cheaper but that's the that's the stuff that's actually not really good but if it's extra virgin you can't um, well, you, I guess what you mean is when it's truly extra virgin, you can, <laughs> right? Exactly, exactly. When it's truly extra virgin. But when you're buying just the like pure olive oil, the light olive oil we talked about, that supposedly does not have as good a smoke point. And I think that might be what, part of where the, the uh, not myth, but the uh, issue kind of came up with the whole smoke point. Mm-hmm. But this is, one, this is where I did some research a while back and then just I'll be very specific. Um, but 410 degrees Fahrenheit is the official figure. But if it's mm. high quality extra virgin with um, very low acidity, which we talked about, it's 425 degrees Fahrenheit. So that is all fine. And I will say, like I said, I'm, I use it for frying all the time. Um, it's, it's pretty good. Um, what's it, let me see, let me do this. Um, uh, another study used olive oil for deep frying and it took 24 to 27 hours for it to reach damage levels that were deemed harmful. So there are lots of studies going out that it's, it's really good. I, um, especially I would say roasting in the oven, don't be afraid. You know, you can, you can actually put a little bit, I usually just drizzle a little bit on my broccoli or my zucchini and just kind of coat it again, like one or two tablespoons is really all you need. And then um, I put it in about 425 because I like that to get it like a little caramelized when you're cooking in the oven. Um, and never had any problems as far as like any kind of look like smoke point. And then we, I pan fry a lot of like um, chicken breasts, uh, any kind of uh, slightly battered stuff. We always use extra virgin olive oil. And I will say, again, most people probably might be able to do extra virgin. is not, again, not going to be cheap to be able to fry in it. But I will tell you, it, it imparts an amazing flavor to the food. So, you know, you can do stuff like you can actually, sometimes you could, you could cut it a little bit if you wanted to yourself, but maybe another oil. And it's still kind of, again, it gives it that flavor, which is what is what the, unfortunately, the bad companies are selling you. It's already cut. But if you want to put pure extra virgin olive oil and just cut it with a little bit of oil, it might just extend the life and it still gives it a great flavor when you're frying it. Just a little tip. But. Yeah, love it. Um, okay, so that's good to know because I like to uh, roast my vegetables in the oven um, with extra virgin olive oil. I do um, like a sweet potatoes. I do. Um, I love green beans, um, asparagus. You know, um, and now I've been roasting garlic scapes in, with extra virgin olive oil because come from coming from my CSA, so they they all taste wonderful. So that makes me feel better that um, I can roast at three fifty and it's okay. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely three fifty for sure. I go yeah, I even easily go up to four hundred if you wanted to. Well, the way my oven is, it'll turn out completely charred if I do 400. <laughs> so um, I'm curious also, okay, so we're talking, <laughs> we're talking specifically about um, Italian olive oil, but can you share a little bit about the different regions where um, olives might come from? So Spain, um, Greece, Tunisia, and like the differences in maybe taste or um, why someone would pick a different region over another? Yes, um, I will say um, Spanish is actually one of the bigger producers um, of all of olive oil in the world. Um, Spain and Italy. Um, Spain tends to be a little bit, um, um, and they have actually invested a lot in this particular variety. I can't, I don't remember the name, and it's actually 
it grows almost like a bush. It's very different than what we have, like trees. And they you plant, they can plant them in rows, and they're a little faster growing. So within five years, they're producing. And that can actually be harvested with a mechanical machine that comes through and kind of harvest the rows. So theirs is, um, they're actually kind of ahead of the game on that kind of stuff. But it's a much milder olive. Um, some people have said it's not quite as uh, healthy in the antioxidants. I really can't speak to that. Um, I will say too, Tuscan olive oil can be a little bit more mild. It can be a little milder than um, Puglia. Puglia olive oil always has a little bit of a Puglia pinch to it, a little bit more of a bite. Um, Greek oil, I can't, I don't, I'm not as familiar with Greek or Tunisian, to be perfectly honest, um, in their kind of varieties, but they are, um, Greece is another big, you know, and I'm sure they have good quality out there because they're, you know, kind of the, the cradle of it all back in the day. Um, and then, the, I mean, I will say, especially in California, there are a lot of good producers now in California that, that are really stepped up their game and are really doing some good stuff. Um, as far as, you know, what, from what I've heard, I think Texas is starting to, but they're not, they're not in the market right now. But actually, there was near my parents, I'm from Texas originally. Um, they, some people have started planting some groves, so hopefully that comes to fruition. And the other area I've heard of is Australia has done a really good job. So if you have any Australian, I, we always get requests sometimes for us to ship our oil to Australia. And I always have to regretfully explain that it's going to cost them a fortune, unfortunately, <laughs> just with shipping. So I'm always kind of ask people, please, like you can find it in Australia. I'm sure you can find good quality producers and farmers there. You know, they're really coming again. So, and um, as far as the kind, I don't, I'm not, Familiar uh, flavors uh, of the Australian or the uh, Californians. But well, that, that it's also yeah. But uh, no, sorry, I didn't want to interrupt. I was like, just that was a good overview. Um, so yeah, yeah, great. Um, okay, I know we've I've got a bunch more questions, and we're coming up um, on time. Um, I wanted you to maybe touch a little bit about storage. Is there a specific way that people should store extra virgin olive oil in terms of temperature-wise? Um, oh, and then you mentioned cobalt bottles when uh, blind taste testing. So if is um, the, the quality of the bottle that it comes in, does that affect um, the quality or, you know, the storage of it? Um, so can you share a little bit about that as well? Yeah, it should be stored in a cool, dark place. Um, so basically not on top of your refrigerator or next to your stove where the heat can affect it. So, you know, a good in, in your cupboard is fine or, you know, in the pantry. Um, that's cool and dark enough usually. Um, and the official, if it's, if, and I'm speaking to pure extra virgin olive oil, I mean, and the official kind of shelf life is two years. Um, it will It will mellow out. Um, as time goes by, especially once you open the bottle, you know, air gets in there and it starts to mellow and it loses, it does lose, oddly, it just loses its antioxidants as time goes by, just like any kind of fruit or vegetable sitting out on the counter is losing a little bit of that as time goes by. Um, but I will say too, we actually purely anecdotal, anecdotally and N equals one experiment. Um, a friends of ours actually found a bottle of our olive oil in the back of their cupboard that was five years old they had forgotten about. And they pulled it out and were like, mm, I wonder if this is still good. And they opened it up and it was still fine. So if it's in, you know, if it's really stored well in the back in a cool, dark place, if it's true extra virgin, um, it will store, store well. Um, you do the best 
uh, they do say the better uh, you know, storage is, is usually tens because it won't want to let any light in at all. Um, but bottle wise, you know, even ours, we have straw that covers pretty much 70% of our bottle. But it's one of those things, unfortunately, consumers like seeing the oil and like seeing it's just it's ingrained in people's heads. So um, the glass doesn't necessarily a lot of times you'll see the, the tinted glass, it protects it, but it also is slightly marketing, whether it's clear so you can see the oil or whether they tint the glass green because everybody thinks it should be green. Mm. So I don't necessarily think you can go by the quality of the glass to judge whether the oil is good or bad. I will say the better, best is 10s actually. If you can find something in 10, usually that's a better storage, um, especially on the shelf. But at home too, even as long as you're careful, it's, it's all good. Perfect. Um, I, throughout the interview, I saw you referring to a book. Is that the Extra Virgin, Extra Virginity book that you were talking about or is it another no, book? No, no. And I have like we have an FAQ section on my website, so basically I just copied all that, so I'd have all my <laughs> just so I have all the details because I forget like what's the what's the smoke point. But yes, but I will say that is a really really good resource. Um, if anybody's interested in learning more, it's Extra Virginity by and I just slipped his name just slipped my mind. It's Extra Virginity, the scandalous world of olive oil. I believe it's like the subtitle. Um, okay. I don't remember the guy's name at all. I just. Oh, I can find it. I'll make sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a really good book, guys. It's he basically he it's it's a little bit the book's a little bit more about the fraud and the problems that you know we're experiencing with that. But along the way, he also gets into the harvesting and gets into the, the also the, there's a, he has a wonderful paragraph in there comparing olive oil and wine, and it was just fascinating. He's like, you know, wine is has this history of and you're making it, whereas olive oil you just kind of produce and it's there. And he said, so it's never going to have the romance of a wine, which has, you know, it's evolved and there's a like kind of a hand helping make it. And so he's like, and, but then also how it, it was just a beautiful, beautiful paragraph kind of showing wine and olive oil next to each other and how amazing olive oil is just like wine. It has different varieties and different flavors and how it brings out the flavor of your food. It's, it was beautiful. So mm. that's awesome. a really resource to look at it. Yeah, I'm going to make sure I link that up in the show notes. I think that's um, a great resource. Um, I, well, I started the, the, your introduction with, um, you know, you had a weight loss story and you were eating pretty well already. You were on the Mediterranean diet, eating lots of extra virgin olive oil, but then you made two changes um, to your diet. Can you share what they were um, to help you lose the 30 pounds and then how you've been able to keep them off? Yes, um, I basically went on, I don't, don't eat any sugars or any grains. And so, again, it, most people say, oh, how do you do that in Italy? I'm like, it's a little bit easier than you thought, think. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I just, the pasta is probably the hardest. And that's more of like when guests come over and they're like, oh, I made you a lasagna. I'm like, oh, thank you. I don't eat pasta. <laughs> so, <laughs> but um, this is, so basically it's NSNG no sugar, no grains. And um, I love it. It was basically started with um, America's angriest trainer, Vinny Tortorich. He kind of came up with this. Um, and we actually kind of sponsor that show. And so I kind of, you know, thought, you know what, you know, and because moving here, I, I didn't realize I had gained the weight. I'm 6'3". And I actually have fairly fit. But I didn't realize I had gained the weight. And we actually 
were in this warehouse and I stepped on the scale. It was like a huge scale and I felt like I was on the biggest loser. It was like, me, me. <laughs> and they came up and they were like, uh, you're, you're at 100 kilos. I'm like, what? what? No, 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 no. I'm like, 220 pounds? No, there's no way. And then it just didn't. And so then I kind of started listening to podcasts, kind of learning more. And I said, you know what? It, part of it was kind of just vanity. I mean, let's see what happens. And it was more just kind of experiment. Then once I went on it, it was fascinating to me and I really, really loved it in the sense of especially the no sugar part. Mm. I always liked vegetables, but now I like love them. Like before I was, now they're sweet. Like who knew carrots were sweet? Who knew zucchini was sweet? And it was just, it's amazing how much your taste buds change. And it was, it was great. I love that. And I still love that. And the grains, um, I do have, I do have a, a little bit of a, a, a bread thing. I love my bread and I love my bread and butter, but it wasn't so hard to give up. Once you just kind of do it, there are little, little things around it, um, you know, that I just don't eat. I, instead, of, instead of pasta, I will spiralize my zucchini into little spaghetti zucchinis and that's my pasta. And it tastes delicious with just about any sauce that I'm making. So I don't miss it at all. And for me, the the benefits of not just losing the 35 pounds, but I, you know, I my energy level was is much steadier than it's ever been. Before, I was always, you know, come 11, I would eat breakfast at 7, 7.30, come 11 o'clock, I was, give me something to eat or I'm going to kill somebody. It was just, I'd had a, I needed, my blood sugar was low, I was grumpy. Um, now, it's just, it's much steadier. I'm never, I, not that I can say I don't, I, not to eat for a long period of time, but I'm just not craving the food. It's much more of a food. And, I, and I'm also at the same time enjoying the food a little more. I feel like it's not just an energy thing to eat. It's mm. kind of, a, it's, it's just, I, because of my taste budget, it's just, I, I really enjoy that part of it. And the maintaining is not as hard. I think I'm, um, right now we're in high season here. So we're having a lot of guests through the week. And sometimes we cook for them and cook dinners and that kind of stuff. And Invariably, you know, I sometimes I'm not as strict as I used to be just during the season. So it's not it's it's harder to maintain sometimes. I will say that like sometimes it's just easy a little bit of pasta left over. I'll just eat a little bit of pasta real quick. Um, and that's just more. But I think there's a but it's very easy in the sense of like, I don't feel and Vinny's also really good about this in explaining it. Like, don't feel guilty about that. Like, this is not about, oh, my gosh, I I ate this. I have to go. Oh, you have to go run 50 miles now because I ate a bowl of pasta. It's like no, just do better tomorrow, and tomorrow you don't eat that. I mean, it's just don't beat yourself up over it, because we have so much emotion and guilt all wrapped up sometimes in the food that we're eating, and you know it's good just to enjoy it and not worry too much about it. And that's what this is not counting calories. I just eat when I'm full. I stop eating, and usually, invariably, what happens a little bit too with this diet. Um, just kind of naturally because you know you're eating a little more meat too um i eat a little more fat than i used to but i'm mm. not afraid of it I'm like don't fear fat basically and that has to go with the olive oil as well um, i'm eating a lot of that and it's just you're more satiated and um it's just i don't it's 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 interesting to see that part of the i'm not i'm not worried about the calories of my of my fat how much i'm putting in it's just when i'm when i'm full i stop eating and so and when you with a grain, sometimes I, I you can't do that. I he always gives the example of um, I could eat 
like a steak and full. I'm like, even if it's a small little ribeye, whatever it is. But a bag of potato chips, I could sit there and eat a whole bag of potato chips easily and probably still be hungry. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the quality of the food. And so like, if you have the quality that's that's filling you up, whether in a big plate of vegetables along with it, I'm, I'm not hungry. So I don't have to worry about the calorie counting and doing all that, which is another part of the reason I really, really like it. It's easy. And um, that's why it's been really easy to maintain and keep up. Perfect. Um, what I like to do more nowadays is ask the guests their favorite recipes that they can think of and share off the top of their head. Um, and you've kind of mentioned a few as we were talking, um, but are there any that are your go-to um, and involving olive oil, of course, <laughs> but, um, you know, any that you just like, oh, these are my go-to recipes. I love them and they're delicious and they're good for me. I would say that the roasted vegetables, just about any of the roasted vegetables, kind of we talked about. And I mean, mm-hmm. this somebody doesn't know, I put, again, I usually chop it up into little bite-sized pieces, whether it's broccoli or zucchini or whatever it is, and then put it in a bowl and just makes it easier. And then put a little bit of, dress it with, the, like I said, just a, a couple tablespoons of olive oil, salt, pepper, usually uh, chopped up fresh garlic. And that's about it. Sometimes I put a touch of cumin in it just because I like a little bit of the me too. Yes. <laughs> I really like it. Some people here don't like it. Like Paul doesn't really like it. I'm like, I love the cum. <laughs> but, um, and just kind of mix it up just so everything gets kind of coated, throw it on the tray. Again, I put it in for about 400 degrees. So, and then um, that's really my go-to just because also it's really quick and easy. You know, mm-hmm. it's just, you know, I don't have to worry about it if it's in the oven, just like rather than standing over a stove cooking something. Other go-tos. Let me see. Uh, that's a good, we do so many things here. <laughs> um, a good, um, let me think. A good, a good pasta one, my most recent is, is, um, roasted tomatoes. If you have any, especially if you have like a big, um, a lot of tomatoes in your garden that are all coming into season all at once. Um, Again, just I chop them up a little bit, just like maybe half of them, and depending on the size of your tomato, if it's like a, a what do you call it? cherry tomato, you don't have to necessarily worry about that. Again, coat them just a little bit of olive oil, um, same thing with garlic, salt, throw them in the oven, and then you literally let them cook until they get, you know, they'll get brown and a little black. You want them to get that, you want that coating of charness on them. And then take that out, blend it up, and you, it makes an amazing, amazing uh, sauce. For a pasta sauce, you could put it on chicken as well um, or any other meat. It's really, really delicious. It's a good way to use up tomatoes, and it concentrates their flavor, which is really good. Um, oh, the other go-to, I mean, it's another product we make that I highly recommend. We actually, along the similar lines, we make um, sun-dried tomatoes. And what we make a sun-dried tomato paste. We call it a sun-dried tomato spread, actually, so people kind of understand what you can do with it. But what's great about it is because it's made with sun-dried tomatoes, you get 10 times more lycopene in per serving than you will with fresh tomatoes. And it's it's just a great go-to in the sense of can, for a quick appetizer, you just spread it on a piece of bread and you have, you have a cracker and you have a ton of appetizers. Or I use it um, as a, instead of tomato paste, I use it in my tomato sauce as a little thickener. Or anytime you want to add, you're doing some onions, some sauteing, some um, artichokes with little capers, throw this in there and it gives a little bit of tomato flavor to it. It's just, it's a really good go-to product that we make that I use like a lot. Um, and it's, it's, it's really, it's also cause it's healthy for you, but also adds a ton of flavor to just about anything. 
Mm, sounds delicious. Um, speaking of things that you guys make, at the beginning we talked about conserve. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> so, yeah, a conserve is basically just our term for a jam. Okay. So it's just it's, it's there's different terms based on how you make it, but we um so we use and then uh, we do the normal fruit ones, but we also try to make it a little fun. We're, we just started doing some more of like um, apricot with um, logan berries. Um, we did uh, some fig with vanilla. So something that's like normal, uh, but all the fruit that we have in season here and um, make it into uh, conserves. And we also do two that are pretty damn amazing, I must say. Um, <laughs> one's a red onion, a red onion conserve and a bell pepper conserve. And mm. uh, they sound kind of strange to begin with, but I will tell you they're amazing. They're both, uh, the red onion is a little sweeter. Uh, the bell pepper has a slight, slight spice to it. Both of them are amazing on a, a sharp piece of cheese. So you just put a little bit on the sharp piece of cheese or um, great on burgers or sandwiches. They add a ton of fur and it's, I just can't, I don't know. I, those are my two of my favorite products by far. And they're really good. I mean, they sound, they're hard sell because you have to kind of them and, and most people have never heard of either one of those kind of things, but there's nothing better in the world if you put it on a little piece of cheese. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Love it. Um, so we've covered a lot today. Is there anything else that I, you know, we haven't discussed that you'd want to make sure the listeners are aware about? Well, I want to give your listeners a special little discount, and you too. Ooh. <laughs> if, anybody would go, if anybody wants to go to our website and you want to try our stuff, um, hopefully make this make it a little bit easier. We have I've set up a special discount code. It's F A M S, so Fams Food as Medicine Show F A M S. Just enter that code at checkout, and you'll get ten percent off your entire order. So. And that's good forever, guys. So just use that thing. So especially I wanted to give a little something back to you and your listeners. Yay, thank you. Um, does it matter if it's all caps or, or lower caps or lowercase? I, I have it. You know, that's a good question. I was thinking about that when I created it. I made it all caps. So okay. I don't think it matters in the code, but, it, but if somebody's having issues, make sure it's all caps. Yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you. Yeah. Um, Perfect. Um, and if, if our listeners want more information, where can they find you? Um, at Villa Capelli, which is on the screen, V-I-L-L-A-C-A-P-P-E-L-L-I dot -L 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 uh, com. That's the, kind of the portal to the products. So you'll go there and you'll see the products. You'll also see a link up top um, to our podcast. So if anybody's interested in that as well, you can follow our antics. We do cover everything from olive oil to just life in Italy. Um, all kinds of stuff. Um, and then there's also a link on there. So if anybody's ever interested in coming to the villa, please, uh, there's a stay at the villa link and that'll take you to more pictures and more information about, you know, staying here. But everything is under Villa Capelli. And if anybody wants to follow us on all those good things, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, we're all at Villa Capelli on all those sites. So you can pretty easily find us. Awesome. Love it. Well, this has been a pleasure, Stephen. I've learned a ton and um, you made me want to visit Italy even more. So um. yeah. <laughs> fun. Yeah. All kinds of good stuff. Oh, my gosh. That would be amazing. <laughs> well, um, thanks again. And I'm sure we'll be in touch. All right. Thank you. Hey, 
So I hope you enjoyed the show. That was Stephen Crutchfield from villacapelli.com. All the links and resources mentioned today are in the show notes at dranne.com slash 039. And Anne is spelled A-N-H as in healthy. While you're there, remember to hop on the Food as Medicine VIP email list and you'll get my free gift. It's your checklist for finding a high quality olive oil to help save you some time and confusion when you're at the grocery store. You'll also get my favorite pearls from the show. The guests on the show tend to share a lot of great information, and if you're anything like me, you're probably listening to this while walking or working out, driving to work, cooking, or doing errands around the house, and you really aren't in a position to be jotting down notes of all the great information that's shared in the episode. So I've taken the notes for you, and by hopping on my email list, you get the show pearls delivered right to your inbox, so you can refer back to them at any time. Finally, as a VIP email subscriber, you'll get the occasional love letters from me, which are emails sharing some of my favorite recipes and products, upcoming events, new information that I've learned, and other goodies. So go to dranne.com slash 039, or you can tap on the green Food as Medicine show logo now and enter your name and email address. Did you like the episode? Then remember to subscribe and leave us a review. This will really help us with the iTunes rankings and help more people find the show. And remember to tell all your friends because we need more people to hear the food as medicine message. We've got plenty of great guests coming up, so stay tuned. Thanks so much for stopping by. And until next time, remember to eat consciously because the world needs a healthy and vibrant you. Hey, so I hope you enjoyed the show. That was Stephen Crutchfield from villacapelli.com. All the links and resources mentioned today are in the show notes at dranne.com slash 039. And Anne is spelled A-N-H as in healthy. While you're there, remember to jot... Hey, so I hope you enjoyed the show. That was Stephen Crutchfield from villacapelli.com. All the links and resources mentioned today are in the show notes at dranne.com slash 039. And Anne is spelled A-N-H as in healthy. While you're there, remember to hop on the Food as Medicine VIP email list and you'll get my free gift. It's your checklist for finding a high quality olive oil to help you save time and confusion when you're at the grocery store. You'll also get my favorite pearls from the show. The guests on the show tend to share tend to share a lot of great information. Hey, so I hope you enjoyed the show. That was Stephen Crutchfield from villacapelli.com. All the links and resources mentioned today are in the show notes at dranne.com slash 039. And Anne is spelled A-N-H as in healthy. While you're there, remember to hop on the Food as Medicine VIP email list and you'll get my free gift. It's your checklist for finding a high quality olive oil to help you save time and confusion when you're at the grocery store. You'll also get my favorite pearls from the show. 
Uh, the guests on the show can share a lot of great information. And if you're anything like me, you're probably listening to this while multitasking, such as taking a walk or working out, driving to work, cooking, or just doing some errands around the house. And you really aren't in a position to be jotting down notes of all the great information that's shared in the episode. So I've taken the notes for you, and by hopping on my email list, you'll get the show pearls delivered right to your inbox so you can refer back to them at any time. Finally, as a VIP email subscriber, you'll get the occasional love letters from me, which are emails sharing some of my favorite recipes and products, upcoming events, new information I've learned, and other goodies. So go to drann.com slash 039, or if you're listening on your iPhone, tap on the green Food as Medicine show logo now and enter your name and email address when the webpage pops up. Did you like the episode? Then remember to subscribe and leave us a review. This will really help us with the iTunes rankings and help more people find the show. And remember to tell all your friends because we need more people to hear the Food as Medicine message. We've got plenty of great guests coming up, so stay tuned. Thanks so much for stopping by, and until next time, remember to eat consciously because the world needs a healthy and vibrant you.